Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Tite. This time, men discuss their feelings about women in the workplace, and those feelings aren't always warm. I was told that actually it was going to go to my female coworker, and it enraged me, and I felt incredibly resentful. I thought, but this isn't how it's supposed to go. And we've talked quite a bit on this show about being a woman in tech. What does the landscape look like from the guy's perspective? Being in an environment, especially on the engineering side, where it is predominantly male, it just sort of becomes the wallpaper. You stop noticing that there aren't any women when there should be. But he is trying to do something about it. Coming up. Benjamin DeBoer is in his early 30s. For years after college, he lived in New York, working in the opera world. Now he lives just outside Washington, D.C., and he has two jobs. He does marketing for an arts organization, and he works for a coffee company. From the outside looking in, I, you know, working in the arts and working in the coffee industry, they are seemingly very progressive industries, and in many ways they are. They're very inclusive. But I think that sexism still is part of those environments, and there are very few women in power in the arts. I mean, there certainly are some, but many of them tend to be gay women. Ben's gay himself, and he shares a house with a female couple. They're married, and he says the three of them spend a lot of time talking about gender and gender stereotypes. Here's what he's noticed working in the arts. For one thing, he says, despite what you may think, it is still largely straight white men at the top, and they seem to feel comfortable with people who act like them. I've noticed that gay women who express themselves more in the masculine or present themselves more in the masculine versus uh, women who are more traditionally feminine or perceived as more traditionally feminine are treated more as equals. And I, I can't help but wonder if we value expressing ourselves more in the masculine in the workplace than we do in the feminine, right? Because expressing yourself in the masculine tends to mean that you pursue success, that you are more aggressive, that you display more emotional control. And I just wonder why we feel that, that everyone has to conform to that standard that masculine standard. He has a masculine and feminine side himself, and he's found his feminine side is generally not welcome in the workplace. He's always worked with plenty of women, and he'd always thought of women as equals, or at least he thought he thought that way. I came to realize that actually a lot of my close gay male friends and and co-workers at times uh, could be very sexist, and that sexism isn't just for straight men. And that was very surprising to me, and it was surprising to me that actually at times I played along with that, and that and that I, I mean, we all think that gay men are a woman's best friend, but you know, sexism and sexist comments and sexist thinking 
can happen in the gay community too. And, you know, I think the thing is, is that, you know, I, I think a lot of it is this sort of an unconscious prejudice, you know, and I don't know if you feel this way, but, you know, I think a lot of times in the workplace, there's an unconscious prejudice against gay women. I think there's also an unconscious prejudice against gay men from other men. And I wonder if we put women down because it's the easiest group to target and maybe we maybe we as gay men I can't speak for others but maybe myself it was a way to feel more important or to self-aggrandize or to not feel like I was on the outs. One incident made him think profoundly about his own biases. He often feels like an outsider in the company of other men. Yet he is a guy and he's tall and well built. So when this macho sounding job came up at the coffee company he works for, he decided to prove himself. And I had applied to work in the back, in the roasting facility. And the, the positions of coffee roaster tend to be held by men. And it was, down, it was between me and, 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 a, and a woman who worked there. And she had worked there less time than I had. I had, I had more time on her at the company. Uh, I was older than her. And I went into the interview and presented myself kind of as, or I thought I presented myself as this guy who was capable, who could fix things, who could work with tools, that I was, I could lift things. In the job description, you had to be able to lift, I think, more than 30 pounds. And it wasn't necessarily a sexist requirement. It was just a requirement of the job that you had to be physical. He threw every male stereotype in his arsenal at that interview, and he left feeling pretty good about how things went. And then I was pulled into my boss's office, you know, a couple weeks later, and I was told that actually it was going to go to my female coworker, and it enraged me, and I was felt incredibly resentful, and I thought, but this isn't how it's supposed to go. I expressed myself in the masculine. I, I presented myself the way I thought I was supposed to be. And you gave it to a woman. They gave it to her because they told him she had the right skill set and background for the job. Still, he stewed. He thought he followed the unwritten rules of the company. It felt like a boys' club, and he was trying to be one of the boys. And it hadn't worked. How long did it take you to get over that? It took a couple weeks. And in, in fact, I applied for another job there. And I was told that in the period between my not getting that job and me applying for, for another job within the company, that I was difficult to be around. And that I didn't display a certain level of professionalism that they were looking for. Ooh. Yeah. And it, it was, it really, it really forced me to do some real critical thinking about I mean, not to be too hard on myself, but, you know, I I understood what they were saying. I was very disappointed, and I had applied for several, for several jobs within the company, and, and I was feeling undervalued and underappreciated, and it was my perception that I didn't get the job because I wasn't being perceived as a capable man, a guy that I couldn't, that it wasn't teachable, that I couldn't work with tools, and then I guess on the other hand, you know, I'm I'm a human being, and I and I do, I I should be allowed to express emotion and disappointment, and I think it goes back to that emotional control. I think men are really expected to show emotional control, perhaps in a way that women are not expected to. How has it been at work since? Have you have you recovered your equilibrium? 
I have, yes. And you know, I, I'm very happy for the woman that got the job in the back. She is doing a great job. And, and I think that she definitely had the right skill set. And, and I think it's, you know, failure and disappointment are things that we have to deal with in life. And it was a growing experience for me. And, you know, uh, when I didn't get the second job, because I was told that I didn't handle it that well, I felt that I recovered it very, very quickly. But I, I will say that it, it has really your podcast and and my experience of, of losing losing a job to a woman where I thought that that what they were looking for was this sort of classic man, this very typical man for the job. It, it's really helped me to be more aware, more conscious of how I think of women and, 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 and be more aware of my own sexism and my own prejudices at work. Something I was not aware of before, even think that, or I didn't even think that that, that was within me. I didn't even think I had those issues. Glad to be of service. We'll come back to Ben and perceptions of masculine and feminine behaviour a bit later in the show. This episode of The Broad Experience is sponsored by Doodle. Trying to schedule a meeting with a group of people can turn into a huge time suck over email or text. Doodle is an online scheduling tool that makes setting up meetings a lot easier. All you have to do is get the participants to select possible dates and times. With a quick look, you'll get everyone's availability and you can make a final decision that satisfies the whole group. The basic scheduling service is totally free. Premium Doodle starts at only $39 per year and offers business users extra features like calendar integration, automatic reminders and more. Over 24 million people use Doodle each month to save time and schedule lots of different types of events, and you can too. Get started by going to doodle.com. My next guest works in a heavily male industry, technology. Eric Michaels Ober is a software developer and he works at SoundCloud, which actually hosts this podcast. He's also a listener of mine. And when I put out a call a few months ago for men in tech to talk about their perspective on women at work, he got in touch. Eric went straight from college to working in Silicon Valley. There wasn't a single woman engineer on any of the teams he worked on. I don't even think I interviewed one the first eight years of my career. That was despite the fact that the first two companies I worked for were actually founded by women. Then he moved to SoundCloud. He works at their head office in Berlin. Here there's a number of, of great women who I started working with and just learned a lot from and, and they became some of my favorite co-workers to work with. And I guess that's when I really realized how, you know, what a loss it was, uh, not just for women, but for the men in the industry, right? Like, we're missing out on the experiences of working with women and learning from women and, and sort of having that perspective in our, our lives and in our work. Of course, I asked him to describe what he meant. He didn't want to reinforce stereotypes. But having said that, he was willing to say this. I think the women who I work with tend to be much more methodological in their approach. And for men, a lot of times it's, here's the problem, let's just sort of race towards it and, and, you know, hit it with a hammer and sort of go as fast as we can and make a beeline for it. And I think a lot of times working with women, and again, it, you know, I've had this experience working with men as well, but it's, it's more of a, an attitude of, okay, let's take a step back. Let's think about this problem holistically. 
let's think about what, what we're really trying to solve. You know, is this, is the thing we're, we're solving the real problem? Is it the root problem? Also, he says when it comes to computer code, he's noticed something else. In general, he says, women put more emphasis on the human aspects of code. He says that means the code might be easier to read and understand, even if it makes it slower. He says a lot of the time, that's the right trade-off to make. Not that he notices everything. His girlfriend sometimes has to nudge him into awareness. She also works at SoundCloud. So, you know, there, there might be something like an all-hands meeting. The whole company comes together. There's a presentation by four of our executives, uh, and there's sort of a panel up in the front, and they're doing questions and answers. And, um, you know, it's an all-male panel, and maybe once or twice that's fine, but if it's like two or three meetings in a row, then that's, that's something that, that she would notice and point out, and I, I might not even notice, right? Um, and I think that just being in an environment, especially on the engineering side, where it is predominantly male, it just sort of becomes the wallpaper you stop noticing that there aren't any women when there should be. He says the company has been making a concerted effort lately to get more women into its engineering department, and it's been working. They've largely been small tweaks. For one thing, SoundCloud studied the wording on its job descriptions. And we said, okay, uh, this is actually based on some research that showed that Women will only apply for a job if they meet 100% of the, the qualifications, where men will do so if they meet some smaller percentage, right? They're, they're willing to sort of put themselves out there even if they're not fully qualified. And so we looked at a lot of things. For example, having a college degree was a requirement on a lot of our jobs. And when we looked internally, we said, okay, how many of the engineers that we've actually hired have a college degree? Is it 100%? No, it's not. We've hired a lot of male engineers that don't have a college degree but decided to apply anyway. So they removed that college degree requirement from several job descriptions. Another thing they did is a bit like something you've probably heard about from the classical music industry, blind auditions. That's where the judges can't see whether the musician auditioning is male or female. In this case, it was blind reviews of computer code applicants had written. We removed the name uh, and resume, any, any identifying information from that code and just presented the code as is and had people review it blindly just to remove any implicit biases that, that might be going on as people were reviewing it. And I think that's really helped make our, our process more fair. And as I said, we've increased the number of, of women. We've actually doubled it in the past uh, 18 months or so. It's a big jump. Still, the number of female engineers at the company hovers at about 15%. There's a lot more to do. There was one thing I really wanted to ask Eric as a young man. A few years ago, right around the time I was starting this show, I assumed Generation Y men were total converts to equality, utterly enlightened. What about men your age, though? Because you must be about 30, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So, because what I was saying earlier, the fact that I thought this was going to be a completely enlightened generation, and then I started hearing all these stories about, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the firm now, but... It was a tech startup in the Boston area that was having, you know, parties where they were basically advertising girls as part of the attraction of the Christmas party or whatever it was. And it just made me think anew about, oh, well, hang on, these guys have probably been raised by mothers who worked or, or mothers maybe who were feminists. And I don't know, I'm just curious as to what your friends are like and whether people outside your company with all its initiatives have any interest in this topic at all. I mean, first of all, I think the really best educated people just don't have those attitudes, in, in my experience. But, you know, 
a lot of times companies talk about culture fit as a, a criterion for, for hiring. And to me, that's, that's really what it's about. It's like, I don't care how good of a software developer you are. If you're a sexist asshole, I'm, I'm not going to hire you. But what about those young men at the startup I mentioned? I bet they all had good degrees. I think it's just very easy for, for men with sort of left alone without any women in a group to kind of have that boys club environment. And so some idea like using women for advertising, you know, manages to, to get through. And, you know, maybe there is sort of a, a young man in the company who feels uncomfortable about that, but maybe they don't feel empowered to speak up or they feel like they'll be ostracized in that group. Perhaps it's all about fitting in, peer pressure. Ben DeBoer is familiar with those things as well. I mean, certainly there's a long way to go for women in the workplace. I think there's a long way to go for men in the workplace, gay or straight. I think many work environments are still run by, you know, straight men. And I know that for me as a gay man in the workplace, I have been afraid to to be perceived as weak, as less resourceful, as less capable. And I've been afraid, I have a fear of being perceived as feminine by my other male colleagues, especially those who are in power or or who are making decisions. And while some of that may be my own insecurity, I also can't help but think that that is what the world has messaged to me from a very, very early age, is that, you know, I'll use a classic example. When I was a young boy, I was more effeminate. And so I was often called a girl. Oh, Ben is a girl. You know, he's, he's, he's a little girl. He's very feminine. And that was very, that was said very negatively. And when I asked my, my roommate who is, you know, she's an athlete, she's very masculine in certain ways. Um, she, you know, has a short haircut. She was always a tomboy uh, when she was very young. And she said, not once did anyone ever say, oh, you're a boy. She was never called out for, for being athletic. She was never called out for being a tomboy. And I just can't help but think that's because in our society, we value masculine qualities over feminine qualities. Men are number one. Women are number two. And to be a man expressing himself in the feminine is bad. But to be a woman and express yourself in the masculine, that is okay. That is good. And I would love to see that gap closed. I would love to see us expressing our masculine and feminine sides, both as men and and women, and not assign that to one gender and to value both. Ben DeBoer. Thanks to him and Eric Michael Sober for being my guests on this man-only episode of The Broad Experience. As usual, you can add a comment beneath this episode on the website or on the show's Facebook page. I'd love to hear from you. And if you've never used it, check out Doodle, my sponsor for this week's show. It makes scheduling meetings so much easier, and you'll be supporting a company that supports the broad experience. And talking of support, I'm mentioning this in my newsletter, but I thought I'd say something here too. As you know, this is a one-woman show with no support other than the occasional sponsorship and listener donations. If you are willing to support the show with a $50 donation, you can get the official Broad Experience t-shirt, which I first had made last year. Now, this is a ladies' shirt, but given you've just heard a man show, gentlemen, I'm sure I can do something for you too. You'll find more details of how to order, including a photo of the shirt, under this episode at thebroadexperience.com. I'm taking a brief production break, so there won't be another show in two weeks, but I have lots of shows in the archive, so I hope you'll check those out if you're a newer listener. 
The topics include work and sex, why women have a hard time negotiating with female managers, and emotions at the office. I'm Ashley Miltite. Thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.